which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoma Nation. And I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome to you, the listener, and to Jill. Hello. Yay! (laughs) I think I got it all right. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Ah, dear. The joys of technology. Okay, so... Uh, On today's program, we are going to continue with our lesson series, and I'm actually going to nuke that one that we did on identity. That was just, nah, I don't like it. So it's not going to be part of the series. Nah. This should have been the next one. (laughs) Okay, so imagine you've got your chart in front of you. And um, you now know that you've put the sun in a particular domicile slash house in a particular sign and the moon in a particular house domicile in a particular sign, et cetera, et cetera. And so all the players have come out onto the stage. So the first question actually needs to be, are any of these folks happy where they are? Um, Are they exceptionally happy? Are they going, what the hell happened? Who picked this house for me to be in? Like, really? I have to do what? And so that whole phenomena is called dignities and abilities. um, And it's part of sort of the initial considerations. Uh, in the ancient times, um, it was huge. It's, yeah, like in the system that I've just recently finished a course in, um, it became, uh, or it is very descriptive of um, what was likely going to be some of the situations and scenarios that the native was going to have to go through and experience during the course of their life. But by modern times, um, they took on way less, and and, uh, three of the essential dignities were dropped right off, which were the bounds, uh, the terms and the faces, and the triplicity lords. Those, all three of those were like gonzo. I hadn't even heard of them until I got to my Hellenistic course. Yeah. And then also with uh, modern times, of course, we discovered three more significant planets in our solar system. And so the whole schemata that was adopted or that was not adopted, but was envisioned and created back uh, 2000 years ago in the Hellenistic era, um, it got modified big time. Yeah, well, like everything, astrology yeah. evolves, right? Well, exactly, and humans evolve. Everything well, at least... Evolving and changing and morphing. Morphing. I don't know if we're getting any smarter, but <laughs> we are changing. <laughs> but, but part of the, the discovery of the outer planets, I mean, the theory, the idea is that we discover them when when our consciousness has expanded. Yes, yeah. We have a greater awareness yeah. of yeah. something beyond what we knew before. So, yeah. And that seems to be the case in yeah. terms of the other planets we have so far. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So what we are going to do is uh, we're going to go through sort of the basics of these dignities, um, the essential dignities. Uh, I will speak to the three that got dropped out. Um, but we'll start with the, the original set. Um, and it wasn't until I listened actually in this last 24 hours, I've listened to it a couple of times. There is a podcast on the Astrology Podcast, uh, which is a website. Uh, Chris Brennan um, produces these podcasts. And I I should have had the number, but I don't. Uh, anyway, I finally heard a very straightforward, simple way of reconciling between the uh, ancient schemata, which has, um, okay, so uh, the original rulerships, which is sort of the first thing that you look at, is, is a planet sitting somewhere where it likes to be, <laughs> where it understands, well, not so much understands as where it can express itself. Where it feels at home. Exactly. Yeah where its essential nature gets to just be itself. So the original rulership scheme was devised by a chart of the world, right? I mean, they had so much hubris, no, no, <laughs> that they actually, you know, imagined what the perfect chart for the birth of this world and our intelligences, I guess, would look like. And so how it was devised was starting at the summer solstice, the first sign, so this was in a tropical zodiac, not the actual constellation zodiac, um, that that should be uh, the ruled by the lights. So the moon was first Cancer, then the sun was Leo, um, and of course, by August, you have the hottest part of um, the summer, especially in the Middle East, right? And then the rest of the planets were arranged according to the Chaldean order, which is um, the nearest to the sun all the way out to Saturn. And Saturn, of course, in Hellenistic terms, was deemed uh, a planet of of little light and darkness. And so that's why it has the two rulerships opposite the two lights. And then the others had, they each had two um, because they flanked those lights. So that was the original set. And they weren't necessarily based on affinity. Okay. Although it seems to work out that they're, they to have... Yeah, to some degree, except where it falls down is, or the one that falls down the most, uh, or there would be two of them, actually, um, has to do with Mars and Scorpio, because Mars is considered hot, wet, and initiating, whereas Scorpio is cold, wet, and fixed. Mm -hmm, exactly. Right? And then again with Saturn and Aquarius. Again, the, yeah. the, the two things. And so what they were yeah, saying in this... Dense, earth, earthy, really dense, earthy planet. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. In the, the airiest, almost airiest of air signs, that's the heavens, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so the, the astrologer that was on this podcast about these, he said, well, but the point back in the day wasn't about affinity. It was about responsibility. 
Yeah. And so when I heard that, I went, oh, okay. That would make sense why in the two different systems that they work. You know, Pluto does work for Scorpio in the modern schemata. Um, But Mars also works in terms of its Scorpio responsibility. Yeah. So I was kind of happy to have someone reconcile that for me. (laughs) You know, you don't like having loose ends. Yeah, I don't like loose ends. Okay, so... Uh, What we're going to do today, and I actually, for those who watch this on YouTube and uh, yeah, for those who have my website up for today's live broadcast, um, I'm going to go through, uh, we're going to go through all of the planets and just talk a little bit about what happens if you don't have that perfect chart. And, but there are people actually, one of the people that has, uh, oh, what was her name? Oh, darn, I'm not going to remember now. She was an astrologer, not Zipporah Dobbins. Um, Oh, maybe it'll come to me. I have seen a chart that's almost perfect. In other words, the moon's in Cancer, the sun's in Leo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And it's an astrologer, and I'm right at the moment, I'm forgetting the name. Okay. So what we're, um, I'm going to talk, are you going to talk about your chart? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking yeah. at this, I have sun and Aquarius, so it's, it's yeah. Detrimental. Yeah. So we're going to start with the sun. Um, it's happy in its home of Leo. It's especially happy if, and exalted in Aries. It loves being in the ninth house, which is its joy. Um, And it can do well in a Sagittarius day chart because it's the team leader in a daytime. And what that has to do with is the triplicity, um, Lord. And with triplicities, it's like, um, so if you have your son in any of the fire signs, it's like the rulers, the triplicity rulers of the fire signs. It's like your gang. They're going to be very supportive of you. Okay. So when you put the sun anywhere else, okay, so for instance, my sun is in uh, Scorpio. So this is a fire planet and it's in a watery sign. So it's not going to be able to shine in the same way that it can when it's in a fire sign. And I mean, for me, Jill, I'm thinking you might agree with this, is people that have fiery suns, um, they literally have an inner glow that when they walk into a room, it's noticeable. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, my my eldest daughter has sun in Leo as well as Leo rising. So her her sun is like right on the ascendant. Right, yeah. So, you know, she exudes that. Leo energy. Exactly. That presence when she walks has in the room. Presence, has that, you know, geniality and all those things that, you know, sort of draw people to her in a way. And yeah. 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 So when you have a planet and it's not in its happy home, um, then it has to um, adjust itself. Okay. Yeah, well, mine's in Aquarius, and it's in the fourth house, so it's deep under. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's not 
shining up there either. It's, yeah, yeah. So in your own experience, um, okay, so let's get some proper words here because people who are going to start reading books to, you know, get further into their own chart are going to run into um, some words that get a little confusing. Okay, so when a planet is not in the sign of its rulership slash domicile, then it's considered to be in its detriment in the sign that's opposite. Okay, so detriment goes with the rulership sign. Um, when it's exalted, it's considered in its depression or fall. So, for instance, uh, the sun is exalted in Aries. So, if it's a sun in Libra, and, you know, both of us are immediately thinking about Libra sun people who dither, <laughs> do anything but shine. <laughs> No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I think they don't so much dither as they have to weigh everything. Oh, God, Well, they appear to be dithering because they got to get it right. right? They got to get it right, yeah, yeah. All the possibilities, which can take a long time. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And also have that concern for others, so. Yeah. Right, and I mean, the sun wants to shine. Yes, exactly, it's like. Libra's worrying about, are you shining? Yeah. I don't want to outshine you. So, so ah, that, I like that. I like that. Yes. So you have to have the balance. Right? Exactly. So if the planet is in the sign opposite where it's exalted, then that's the kind of it. That's the kind of major adjustment it has to make, and that is called depression or fall. Okay. Now the sun will also lend its support in what are called the. Deccans. And Deccans um, is probably the least uh, triplicity lords. That was used quite extensively. Uh, but the Deccans, not so much. They were gone by the time William Lilly wrote his Christian astrology book, which was in the 1700s. Uh, yeah. By that point, the Deccans had already dropped right out. Used in modern astrology, though. What's that? I have seen them used. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the gentlemen that uh, uh, works with Chris Brennan on the Astrology Podcast, he has a book that he's written. It went out of print. I am waiting. Chris Kopic. No, not Chris. Austin Kopic. Hurry up. Get your book out there. (laughs) Because he's able to, he ties it in um, because it's very similar to the nakshatras. Yeah. Yeah the uh, houses of the moon which is a vedic phenomena okay so um if you have a happy sun then it will lend support from the deacons deacons point of view to okay so deacons are you take the sign it's divided into 30 or 10 degree segments because there's 30 degrees in a sign And so what I've got up here on the graphic is, for instance, with the sun, it will help if um, if you, well, obviously, if you have a sun in the second decan of Aries, that sun is exceptionally strong. The third decan of Gemini, it will help a Gemini planet. The first decan of Virgo, the second of Scorpio, that would be 
me? Yeah. So my son isn't quite so confused. I'm just realizing. Because <laughs> it's the son is actually reasonably supported in the second decan of Scorpio. Yay! <laughs> or the third decan of... Okay, so as you could tell, we're going to go through each of the planets. And you'll hear us go yay or boo or whatever according to where our planets... You know, so you have your folks on your stage, and um, it's about contemplating. So, you know, is this is this going to be a helpful placement? Am I going to have to work really hard? Am I going to have to come up with a novel approach? All right. Well, yeah, yeah, and just to balance this out. Sure. Um, none of these things in and of themselves are huge right i mean yes don't take over, right so the aspects and all of those other things have to be weighed into the whole yes mix. Yeah. So, yeah yeah when we talk about these things i think it's always important to remind people of that yes because yeah i know this is one little it, well this is the 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 you know you've got 10 people blindfolded standing in front of an elephant exactly yeah yeah and yeah. one so of them I, thinks it's a suitcase the other one thinks it's a you know a snake and snake. A, yeah 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 same same yeah 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 and i just good think reminder always, always important because because when whenever you focus on one piece yeah it seems like that's the important piece right yes yeah the moment it is when we're focused on it but yeah it's always in the context of all the rest of it so i just yeah i always like to mention that just yes excellent to that piece. Yeah. Okay, so here I wrote uh, for the sun, main principle is to radiate, to blast, or to push outward perfusion. The effect here is whatever the sun is, it tends to create attention or shines a spotlight on it. And so um, you shone a spotlight in your home? Well, I think, I think family and, and my roots, you know, a recognition of, of that that's such a big piece of you know what creates who we are right yeah yeah and yeah that, that's a definitely part of my journey i mean yeah. the sun is sun is the hero right so it's the hero's journey yes yes so, yes you know, and it's in the fourth house in my case and yes no it's not it's in its happiest spot in aquarius <laughs> so so it's um Bring but it's given light. it's yeah it's, it's given you deeper, a particular deeper perspective aspects, deeper aspects of self yeah yeah and yeah. and you have used that to good effect yeah well it's, it's, it's yeah. probably what got me into astrology wanting to understand myself better yeah you know i've yeah. never seen astrology as oh i'm going to predict the future kind of thing which some people are looking for yes they are yeah for me it's always about self-understanding and getting yeah to because the sun is the core right yeah it's our center of our being right yeah okay so for me i i put it in the eighth house and uh so i shine a spotlight on oh trauma <laughs> abuse uh <laughs> and it's true i have um yeah. and there's other things that point to that but we'll we'll continue on so you yeah. do wherever your son is whatever um field it found itself in you know there is going to be this putting attention putting a spotlight yeah yeah 
Okay, so the sun is exceedingly hot, dry, and choleric. The, um, what do they call those? The, um, there's a name for that. Phlegmatic and the humors. Yeah, I have never studied that, but they're, I guess William Lilly's branch of astrology, we're very much into those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not that familiar with those, so we won't go into that. So the heat creates activity. The dryness makes distinction. This is a very masculine planet and is symbolic of spirit, intent, will, and determination. Yeah, it rules the heart. So it really is the heart of of who we are. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay, now the next planet we will look at is where did you put your moon? So these are the two lights and um, and somebody is trying to call. I'll just see if it looks important. Nope. Okay, so the moon, obviously, um, like the sun, it only has one sign that uh, it rules and it's happiest in Cancer. Okay, it loves to be in Taurus. It also loves the third house. Um, It can do well in terms of triplicity in Virgo and Capricorn in a night chart. Uh, It helps out in the water signs with Scorpio and Pisces. It's a cooperative ruler. Um, And it's the team leader at night. Now, it finds a major unfortunate adjustment to have to make it in Capricorn, which oh. uh, this is one of those ones that you kind of go, huh? But um, just because in traditional astrology, um, Capricorn can be seen as a goddess. Yeah, so I'm a bit confused by that one still. Uh, it's not happy in Scorpio. Um, that is its depression slash fall because of it being exalted in Taurus. Um, it will lend its support to the second. So if you've got, where, what degree is your Taurus moon? Six. Ah, darn. Too bad it wasn't like 12 or something. Then it would be Taurus, Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> the second decan of Taurus, it can be very helpful. Third of Cancer, uh, first of Libra, second of Sag, third of Aquarius. So if your moon falls in any of those decans, it will be happier. Um, Okay, so the moon's main principle is to suck, draw inward, and collect with magnetism, creating a vacuum. I don't think I spelled that word right. No, not quite. Not quite. Close, but no cigar. Yeah. (laughs) The moon is cold and wet in nature, which means that it tends to unify and not make distinctions. Uh, The coldness lowers the activity level and creates calmness. It is a very feminine planet and functions as a receiver for all spiritual input so that it can be brought into material form. Okay. So, um, my moon happens to be in that not happy place of Capricorn. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my Leo Leo daughter has a Capricorn moon. Yeah, so... Um, it's interesting in her case, uh, it gives her the ability to be very organized yes. and yet have the, the Leo... She's kind of got the best of both worlds in a way because she's got the discipline and organization of Capricorn moon. Yeah. Working with a very creative 
energy of Leo. So yes, that is in, nice, actually. In that sense, it works, but I don't know about the emotional side of it. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, what you will find in the literature, which I'm always kind of entertained by, just because I have Moon in Capricorn, um, is that there are troubles with the mother. <laughs> so, of course, we've got mom here just talking about her daughter who has moon in Capricorn. But this is from my perspective, yeah. okay, with my mother. It's not my mom. It's just my interpretation of my mom. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> so, for instance, the sun... Any aspect of this, though, it's always our... This is never... Any of this is never as it is out there. It's our perception of what it well, is. Well, no, and that's not entirely true either. Okay, that's not entirely. It depends on which lens you're using. And I'm getting clearer and clearer between sort of the Vedic point of view of astrology, which is your whole chart is your karma. Not mm -hmm. any one piece, but the whole chart is your karma. Uh, the modern is the whole chart is you, okay? And then um, this new approach, which is old, the Hellenistic, um, your chart is your life. It's not, um, so some planets are quiet, not doing anything until it is their time. And so uh, of the three different styles that I'm familiar with, um, the Hellenistic one is actually probably more predictive than even the Vedic. Um, because, for instance, um, it's only the rising sign and the planet that rules the rising sign and the moon that are personal to a person. Um, and so, for instance, my son in Scorpio is closer in description and when it's active as being um, a, uh, well, for me, it tends to be <laughs> my partners. <laughs> but anyway, it's just, it's a different way of looking at it. Um, yeah. 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 And, and people, if they get into astrology, will find their own way of looking at it. Exactly, yeah. No yeah. two astrologers will approach the chart exactly the same way. No, that is true. That is but true. it works no matter which system you're using or because it's... It's magical. It's, it's between science and religion. It falls it's in between nature. there. It's, it's the natural cycles looking at them from our perspective. In yeah, yeah. And Anyway, back to a happier, a sad moon, because yes. we're talking about the folks that have walked out onto your stage. Okay, so my moon was not obviously all that happy, and nor was my relationship with my mom all that dazzling. Um, but it's uh, it's it, it has been incredibly useful in my life in the sense that, um, like her daughter. Um, you know, the buck can stop with me um, until you overwhelm me and then I'll just pass it on. <laughs> Your daughter probably doesn't run into that, but I sure can. Um, but it, it's, it, in terms of my sense of safety and security, uh, it's important 
um, that I understand what's going on, who's in, who's in charge, who's not in charge. Um, I don't have to be the one in charge, even though it's up there in the tenth. But I have to know what the rules are. You know, very clear. Uh, yeah. And I think that the yeah. moon, the moon is our emotional nature. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's what, our un, it's our unconscious expression not our the sun's more conscious the moon's more unconscious is the dark time right um and i think for me when i have see people with moon and capricorn it's like you didn't really get to be a child when you were a child because moon is that early stage right? yes it is yeah it's that earliest stage of development yeah and and so you're putting it in a sign that's supposed to be about maturity and responsibility and all yes, those things. Yes, yes, yeah, and yeah. And so often people with Moon and Capricorn, and I'm sure that's true with my daughter, have to feel they have to be an adult way before they're ready. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and how that plays out um, will be very unique. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and depending on aspects and other Yes, houses, exactly. Houses. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so moving on to, I'm just noticing we've only gotten through two and we have seven more to go through. <laughs> and even though my moon is in Taurus. Yes. It doesn't mean my relationship with my mom was great or that the mother. No, because that's a very specific one. Exaltation, as I'm understanding it now, is a planet that wants to be seen and heard. So if it's the sun, it's the heart needs to be seen and heard. If it's the moon, it's my needs and what makes me feel safe and secure needs to be heard. If it's Mercury, Mercury is a very special one because he's the only planet who um, has a rulership and an exaltation in the same sign, and that is Virgo. And if you meet a Mercury in Virgo mind person, if it's not debilitated by something else, um, yeah, they're, they have amazing minds. <laughs> amazing minds, yeah. Okay, so where is your Mercury? Know that if you find your Mercury in opposition to your sun, there's something definitely wrong with your chart. <laughs> Mercury can never be more than, I think it's 45 degrees from the sun, approximately. Okay, right. so it's usually, with you know, either the same sign as the sun sign or a sign on either side, typically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mercury loves to be in the first house um, because you get to speak who you are. You know, this is who I am. And it can give voice to that. Um, it does well uh, by triplicity, obviously with the air signs in a night chart. It uh, so it's uh, considered uh, on the day team if it is rising before the sun on the day that you were born. So even though you might have been born at uh, noon, if the sun, if Mercury is behind the sun. Uh, in earlier degrees than it was a morning star and so therefore able to work with that sun um, yeah easier if you were born at let's say midnight and mercury is ahead of the sun then it's a 
No. No, no, that's rising before the sun. That's rising. Okay, so if it's... Okay. If it's not the sun, then it comes up over the horizon after the sun, so it's a night thing. Yes, yeah. So then it's an occidental evening star, and it's with the night team, and it's happier. Okay. Good luck (laughs) with that one, because it just messed with my mind big time. (laughs) Okay, it has a difficult adjustment. Um, if it's in the sign of its uh, detriment, which is opposite what it rules, which is Virgo and Gemini. Okay, so Sagittarius and Pisces. And a Pisces mind, it was interesting because the gentleman that was doing the podcast that I listened to, he has uh, Mercury in Pisces. And um, his comment about it was... Um, it's taken him a long time in his life to find the way to communicate his authentic self, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Because it, yeah. it isn't the purview of Pisces to be rational and logical and, yeah. yeah. Well, you got an airy planet, and then Pisces is the ocean. It's like it doesn't get to come up for air. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good I like that analogy. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. Almost like a drowning <laughs> little airy planet. So yeah, 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 it yeah. Makes sense from that perspective in terms of elemental. Yeah, yeah. So for the Deccans, it you will have a happier Mars or Mercury and it will lend its support to the first ten degrees of Taurus, the second ten degrees of Cancer. Um, and if your Mercury in Virgo is in the third deacon of Virgo, um we don't want you listening to this show because you'll just pick it all apart. No. Uh, <laughs> in the first decade of Sagittarius, that will help. And in the second decade of Aquarius. So Mercury by, th- um, yeah, just sort of the principles of it is to split, to quicken, as in Quicksilver, duality, logos. Uh, Mercury's main purpose is to act as the go-between for all dualities and all types of opposites, such as hot and cold, wet and dry, light and dark, hard and soft. For this reason, it is none of these principles in itself, though it tends slightly towards dryness, but rather mimics whatever principles happen to be most prevalent. It signifies transits, communication, language, mental capacity, and is neutral as to sex, not neuter. <laughs> and I think, I think I the adaptability of Mercury is captured really well in the metal itself. Because yes, it, quicksilver. It, you know, if the temperature rises or falls, it's because it's adapting yeah. that it, it influenced. Yeah. And also, of course, in terms of communication, Mercury was the only god that could go between the upper world and the underworld. Yes, yes, its mythology speaks volumes, yes. So the other phenomena that the Hellenistics pointed out was um, how close was it to the sun? So um, when a planet, uh, if it was within 15 degrees of the sun's position in your chart, Um, it was considered to be under the beams and so had to take its cue from the sun. So Mercury very often is within the beams of the sun and so it won't operate as independently if it um, 
is within the beams of the sun. And so that, um, I'm sure that there's been, since this whole revival, been some studies done on it. I haven't heard any podcasts on it just to see. I think that's probably emphasized more if it's in the same sign as the sun. Yes, yes. But but apparently it it holds, yeah. Mother's in Capricorn and sun's in Aquarius. They are within 15 degrees, but they're in different signs. And I... It gives. Um, yeah, there's. It's like the the Mercury's not as identified with what the sun's about because it's it's in a different sign. It's got a little more leeway. Yes, and like I say, I don't know what sort of studies have been done. Now, my Mercury is retrograde, and it is within four degrees. Right. Four, five, four, I think. But and it's moving closer to the sun, so mine is totally under the beams and. Yeah. Um, so separating it from the Scorpio heart is probably never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's where your head and heart, you know, if it's in the same sign and it's close, then yeah. it's like you're not divided. They are one. You know? That's true. That is true. And so it's yeah. harder to get a, a perspective, whereas yes. if it's a different sign, yeah. it's yeah. not a And here's a literal description of that. Um when it comes to uh, mindfulness, yeah. <laughs> I, c- I can remember when I was first introduced to the idea of being mindful. And there is a certain quality of mindfulness um, that I can do if I'm in a really calm state of mind. But if I am not in a calm state of mind, the idea of, of, I can remember one counselor saying to me, well, just put a, like a, just imagine a glass window between you and that reactive experience. And I I went, huh? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because, and so that almost speaks to uh, what I was lab- later able to understand, and only because modern science has finally caught up to it. Um, the reptilian part of your brain, or the first brain that develops in utero, which is called the amygdala, uh, when it develops, it's in charge of fight, flight, and collapse. And in a traumatized person's experience if the amygdala you know looks up and goes oh incoming then it takes it literally can shut down the frontal cortex it just it's like a switch right it goes click (laughs) you know so here you know I'd have these counselors going just get mindful (laughs) and I'm like oh (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If your amygdala is not hijacked, you can. Yeah, and so what would be interesting is to study people um, people's charts that have experienced trauma, where that is their reaction, because you can have trauma and not have that reaction. Yeah. Right. So it would be interesting to see if more people that have the amygdala step in as a. go to for coping if they have this mercury under the beams and very close to the sun yeah that would be an interesting so the other scenario uh that can happen with mercury is if it's in the heart of the sun and 
that is when it's within, it's less than a degree or exactly conjunct the sun. Then it elevates the planet. It elevates Mercury. Yeah, makes it even happier. Okay, I can see we're not going to get through all seven. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, darn. We'll have to just come back next week. <laughs> Good. Our show's already written. Yay, T. <laughs> okay, so you'll be looking. Yeah, I think the other thing about the trauma thing and, and that proximity to the sun might have to do also with what, what the quality of the sign. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. And how, yeah, so in a water sign, it's a good point, very good point. Um, it's going to be more on the emotional nature. Um, if it's in a fire sign, it's going to be more reactive. Um, yeah, so you're looking at what type of mind you put on that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other piece that, of course, once we get away from the lights, the sun and the moon, is planets as viewed from where we are on Earth can be retrograde or stationed as well as direct. And um, and so depending on what printout you received or if you're looking in an ephemeris, you're going to want to notice the speed of the rest of the planets that we're going to be talking about. Um, because again, that can speak to how well they're operating, how intensely they're operating. Um, and if, for instance, you are born with a planet when it stations, that also just majorly highlights it. Yeah, um, yeah. like for instance, uh, Margaret Atwood, Mercury was stationed when she was yeah. born, you know. Um, yeah. Makes it much more prominent. And yeah, exactly. More strength or intensity, I guess. Yeah. And with Mercury in particular, I know back in the 90s and stuff, um, when I was just practicing modern, there was also an allusion to uh, or an idea that uh, if your Mercury was retrograde, that you were more right brain oriented. Now, I don't know if that is still a thing in modern astrology well, or I not? I think it's a tendency to, I mean, it's a more, more withdrawn. It's like you're more prone, I think, to have like second thoughts about should I say this or not? Or, you know, it's less, because, less of the blurt phenomena. <laughs> part, sorry, less of the blurt phenomena. I think so. I mean, okay. obviously it depends on the sign and other things. But I think overall that retrograde with Mercury in particular, because it's, you know, chatter, chatter. Yeah. Uh, um, you might be chattering in your in your mind more. Yeah. You know, and going over things and over things more because, right, that's what retrograde is. It's like, let's retrace our steps. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, you put re in front of everything. Yeah. More inclined to do the second thoughts and the you know, have the conversation in your head before you <laughs> try and have it with the person, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, in my case... If it's direct, it's, you're more likely to be direct, right? Yeah. It's, is yours yeah. direct? Sorry? Is yours direct? Uh, yeah, I believe mine's direct. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> I know. So that idea of... You know, reconsidering things for me, 
Um, I used to have a phrase where I'd call getting it on the brain. And so my mind would go over something endlessly. Oh, God. And so there would be a part of me that would notice that my brain is doing laps. And I would go, well, that's not useful. (laughs) Anyway. It's direct, but it is in Capricorn. Ah, yes. So anxiety and... ah. So there's the, oh, should I say this? I've got to say, or if I'm writing something, it has to be just right, you know. (laughs) So there's that tendency with the critical voice of Capricorn to come in too soon to... Like, you don't get a, a word down on the page because it's like, no, that's not the right word to start with. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've gotten past that. And I'm, I used, to, I used to, to do a presentation. I'd have to write everything out because I think, you know, I, I need to know exactly what I'm going to say. Right, and then I'd, yeah. You know, after, after doing that for you know, a few years, I realized I'm not even looking at the notes. you right. <laughs> so why am I wasting all this, this time? time. It's Capricorn time, right? So, yeah, you know, you learn again. Capricorn tends to want to make, give you lessons. So you learn. Yeah, yeah. Usually the hard way and slowly. Uh, So, but you retain once you get it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The bad was that. But yeah, I think it's, it's, again, it's the quality of the sign is important. And, and, and as we get further onto this, which will happen several lessons down the road, I can tell, <laughs> we'll be looking at, okay, so the planet is in a particular sign. Is it happy to be there? And then we have to decide whether the ruler is helping or hindering. But we're not going to get right. there today, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, so that. let's go on. I think we're going to get to Venus. I think and Venus is probably where we get to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get any further. I agree. Okay. So with Venus, Venus rules uh, Taurus and Libra. It is incredibly happy and exalted in Pisces. And it obviously loves the fifth house. Um, That's its joy. Um, It can do well as a triplicity lord in Virgo in Capricorn uh, in a day chart. Uh, It will be the strongest benefic in a night chart. Okay, it has a difficult adjustment to make in Scorpio and Aries, of course. <laughs> um, and it's not particularly happy in Virgo, especially in a night chart. Um, right. Okay, so as a Deccan ruler, um, it lends its support to the third second of Aries, the first of Cancer, the second of Virgo, the third of Scorpio, the first of Aquarius. Um, And its main principles, whoops, let's just get this so that I can read it as well. Okay, Uh, to unify, pacify, smudge with leveling force, Uh, Venus is cool and wet by nature. The wetness brings people together in common unity and makes unclear uh, any distinctions and differences uh, that might separate them. The coolness aids in social harmony, uh, activating... 
or captivating. God, I can't even read this. I should deactivating. Deactivating. Thank you. <laughs> Any conversational issues that might create disharmony. Venus is a feminine planet by nature. Okay, so yeah, we we know she's the feminine planet because her symbol is the one we see on the door for the washroom, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like like Mars is a masculine because again yeah. you see. Least for men. Right? Yeah, exactly. They are very much uh, yin and yang. <laughs> it is true. And so in my chart, I, of course, put it in a difficult adjustment place called Scorpio. <laughs> I love it. I don't. Um, and so, you know, this, the position, how happy or sad your Venus is, will go to some way in describing um, your relationships. Uh, your social capacity, um, and yeah, how well you manage things that you value uh, can speak to creativity. Yeah, yeah. So mine, um, it's it's interesting. Um, in my journey with a Venus in Scorpio, um, part of what I eventually came to understand is that when I make when I make a connection with somebody, it is on an emotional level, and that connection is permanent. Um, right. Whether they like me or whether they don't like me, whether they stay, whether they go. <laughs> but it's, it's I, I think I was in my early 20s when I realized um, that, uh, you know, for instance, things like a broken heart is actually a good thing. I can remember when I first started saying that as an astrologer, I'd have these people look at me like, like I had rocks in my head, right? But yeah, we there's do. A song, there's a song, right? That there's more room in a broken heart. Well, but in before the heart is broken, it's um, way too um, narcissi- narcissistic, right? Well. And protective, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like it, if it has broken, to be opened up. You can get over it and carry on. And yeah. But the other thing for for the longevity of your relationships or your connections with people is that it's conjunct scorp or conjunct uh, Saturn. Saturn. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we we you know yeah. The combination of that and the Scorpio, which is fixed, I think probably. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that fix spoke to the fact that, yeah, if if you trigger my heart, that's permanent, you, you know. And um, I used to think to myself, you know, na 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 na, I can still love you even if you don't, <laughs> which is not a sense of humor that a lot of people get, but that's okay. So <laughs> understanding how happy your Venus is just on this first level. Um, you know, is it, I mean, if it's, uh, th- we've got earth and air that it likes to be in, it likes to be in water, Pisces. And so those fiery Venuses, those are the ones that um, are probably, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say challenged, but their expression is very different with oh, Venus yeah, yeah, and fire sure. signs. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Having my my Venus in Capricorn, it's in the third house, and it's uh, it's part of a grand cross, so it's got some, <laughs> <laughs> some challenges. <laughs> but it does understand that earthiness. Well, it also does trine my moon, which it rules, because it's yeah. in Taurus. Yeah, yeah. And it 
ruler of my ascendant. So it's, yeah. yeah. And it's part of my healing journey, really, is that understanding and that connection and that. Yeah. Yeah. All of that because it's conjunct Chiron in, in Capricorn. So, yeah. So, so with. Healing. Yeah, with the Venus too, of course, we have, is it direct? Is it stationed? Is it retrograde? And um, with Venus, there are some really special conditions that go with that phenomena. And we will do um, a whole session on this Venus because it is quite the the pattern that it creates. Uh, it's an every eight year cycle thing. Um, yeah, there's a lot to Venus, but in your own chart, you're going to want to to notice uh, because when it's retrograde, that creates a special condition in terms of finding um, significant relationship, and mm. it tends to delay it, um, and it tends to um, produce relationships that are not of the typical or the normal. Um, yeah, well, I think any time, like with the personal planets, like Venus and Mercury particularly, but there's that retrograde tendency to hold back, to, to yeah. hold things back. So with Venus, it's like waiting till the time is right or... Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, of course, for folks that, you know, if you discover that in your particular chart, you do have Venus retrograde, and you're trying to, let's say, possibly be like everyone else, that's going to create some tension that astrology can sort of go, no, 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 you're fine with it taking your time, um, because you're supposed to. So, um, you know, those understanding your Venus can go a long way to um, uh, creating an ease when it comes to understanding how relationship is going to unfold for a person. I think that's one of the helpful things with astrology to me Mm -hmm. is that when you when you get into it and you really look at it that you start to realize that things happen when they're supposed to happen. Yes. Yeah. Right. We're not making them happen so much as the universe is unfolding. Yeah. That's what we're looking at when we're looking at the chart and progressions and transits and whatnot. It's yeah. like it's unfolding as it should. And we have this this human hubris thing that thinks, but I can make it all happen when I want to. Well, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's not really the case. You know, it's that it's going to unfold. And it will unfold when it's supposed to. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, you know, way down the road, we'll talk a lot about things like annual perfections and zodiacal releasings and transits and progressions and directions and, yeah, yay! There's a few things things we can talk about. There is, there is. Okay, so um, the other thing I wanted to mention with Venus, again, if you see that Venus is opposite your sun, you're going to go warning, 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 this cannot be. (laughs) Venus can never be more than two signs away or 60 degrees from the sun. And um, yeah, and that's because these are uh, closer to the sun than we are. And we are looking at it from our perspective. Fortunately, for most people doing astrology today, they're using a computer program. That's true. Yeah. But people who calculate their own. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Having done that for decades. Yeah, yeah. 
Back um, in the day, yeah, both of us had to have the calculators <laughs> and the, what was what were those tables we had to use? The cosine or yeah, at the table of houses, you had the yeah, you had you had to have a book that told you when when there was daylight savings and when there was daylight yeah income. yeah. But there was also an alg- algorithms. Was it no? It wasn't algorithms. Cosines. I don't know. It was some weird. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. just be incredibly <laughs> thankful. You have, yeah, you had to have the right tools to do it. The FFM yeah, and all that, so you could calculate it. Yeah. it was actually not that hard, but. It, you know yeah yeah i did have a friend who was a bit challenged and she she couldn't want couldn't calculate a chart to save her life yeah she might well have ended up with venus opposite (laughs) i know for myself that i could do the calculation i could just never trust it so i was one of those incredibly grateful people when you know somebody came up with a, a computer program that i went oh okay so i did do that right you know, because there's there is something incredibly disconcerting about reading the wrong chart, which yeah. occasionally can happen because yeah. uh, you heard them say AM, but they actually said PM, yes, or exactly. you heard you know the first when it was actually the thirty first or yeah. whatever you know, yeah, and. But it's uh, just so folks know that it's, you know, when you first start the dialogue with a client, it's really easy to tell if something's wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And if it's a good astrologer, they'll go, whoa. <laughs> and, but typically, really good astrologers will just read back the data before they even start, which was something oh, I did learn to do. <laughs> even if they've given you what they think is the right time, if you're looking at the chart yes. and it's not fitting, you know that they haven't got the time. Yes, exactly. And so then, then rectification happens, which can happen. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, that's another show that we could do as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, so we're down to a minute. Yes, and we yeah. got through four. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we've only got through the surface because, uh, so now you've got, you sort of looked at, okay, well, it's, it's not in its fall and it's not in its detriment and it's not in its own home. It's in somewhere else. Um, so does that make a planet, you know, like not helpful no um and so there are other levels and i can see i'm down to 30 37 36 so i'm gonna have to say goodbye jill bye see you next week (laughs) yeah and to those folks who are listening you have been listening to cjmp 90.1 fm powell rivers community radio station and thanks for joining us and we will see you next week where we will talk about uh, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and then we'll go out to the stratosphere with Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Take care, folks, and have a, a great week. <laughs>